It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends, and players, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Oh, it's a holiday weekend, and not just for the kids, but for everyone. Happy Halloween to our listeners, and please remember to be safe, have fun, and most of all, kids, be polite. Because if you are, you might just get what you need. I am in a fun mood this afternoon because we have a very cool guest with us. He's the Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA. And although that may sound kind of droll, this man is nothing but awesome. He's a PGA Tour winner, a competitor in 10 USGA championships, a member of the of a victorious Walker Cup team, and from what I hear, he's a really nice guy. So his name is Jason Gore. I know he's on the line. Jason, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Keith. How are you doing? Man, I, I couldn't be better to have you with me this afternoon. Talk a little golf, talk a little uh, pop culture, and uh, have some fun. You know, Everyone says you're you're a great guy to get along with, so uh, I'm, I, I couldn't be more pleased to have you with me on air today. I got a lot of people fooled. <laughs> well, uh, that makes two of us. So, um, speaking of fooling around, right, um, we're just about to get, get to the end of this historic 2020 season. And you've got one more championship in about a month, and that's the U.S. Women's Open. Just real briefly, as we get started here today, what are you already starting to work on for 2021? Gosh, we're, uh, most of the stuff is already done. I mean, it's just the idea of praying for decent weather in Houston and um, getting these uh female athletes to, to Houston and making sure they're safe and healthy and um, basically trying to to make it all good so they can go perform the best they can. Well, I know you guys will do a tremendous job there. And A December major championship is just kind of a, such an interesting kind of vibe and thing that's going on there. And you know what else is interesting is that, you know, I think about you, you're a 20-year PGA Tour player, and you end up working for the USGA, right? So um, I'm going to read off a quote real quick from John Bodenhammer, the senior managing director of the USGA. He says, Jason is a dynamic individual who has a great passion for the USGA and the game of golf. You know, he's widely recognized, respected by the tour players and staff, as well as industry influencers, right? How did a professional golfer end up with such kind of an innovative role at the USGA? So you want the long story or you want the short story? Uh, the one in between. Okay. Um, so being a Walker Cupper, I've always been – the USGA is awesome about keeping, you know, their their Walker Cuppers or the champions in the family. So um, Jeff Hall, who is now the managing director of the U.S. Open, so he's kind of like the, the main championship director, and I have kept in touch over all the years from 1997 on. So I played well at RSM. I believe it was 2018. I was in the final group with Cam Champ and Charles Howell and got to, got to watch Cameron Champ hit it. 90 yards by me, maybe a hundred. Um, and we had opened up a, a insurance brokerage at the time. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of phasing out of golf. I just want to be home a little bit more. 
And the U.S. I mean, I'm sorry, the PGA Tour did this one thing, and I, I like one of these picture tweets. I don't know what they call them. I'm not social media savvy, but it says I actually did retire. I'm just an insurance salesman now. Ha ha ha! Right? Because that's what I was playing it off because I was nervous as heck, and I, I was just trying to go into the final round and not, you know, throw up on myself. And they tweeted that out. Jeff saw it, and. He goes, hey, uh, he calls me January 3rd. I was in Scottsdale playing with my buddy. I've had a bad back for probably the last five, six years. Calls me up and says, hey, your Christmas card got returned. And I said, yeah, you know, we moved a couple years ago, blah, blah, blah. So he goes, you know, we've had some issues with the U.S. Open the last few years. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've kind of saw it. He goes, we're looking for somebody who's got some PGA Tour experience, uh, somebody who's a USGA family member, and somebody who gets along with a lot of people. And I kind of joked. I'm like, are you offering me a job? And he kind of gave that nervous laugh and said, well, your name has been brought up. And at first I thought, yeah, I'm not really interested. You know, I'm kind of just played well. I'm still a golfer. I still think, still think I have a long, long way to go. And, uh, you know, fooling myself on both sides of the fence, went home, played in the tournament, back was killing me. I went in, took my wife into the office we have at the house and said, I want you to listen to this phone call. So we called Jeff. And I said, tell me more. And he explained it. And we hung up the phone. My wife looked at me and says, this is all you. And I said, I know it is. So threw my name in the hat. And about three months later, I'm, I'm moving to New Jersey. Wow. And, and, yeah. Like you could just hear the genuine nature in your voice when you said, this is all me. And and folks, if you're wondering who me is and you're just joining us, I have Jason Gore on the line. He is an NCAA champion back in 1997 with uh, Pepperdine. Uh, tremendous golfer, now working for the USGA in this cool player representative role. And I used the word innovative before, right? So the USGA is planning for the future by starting your team, right? So what kind of, when you first sat down with them, what kind of goals did both both sides kind of talk about going forward? Well, I think what being a tour player, and this is me putting my tour player hat on, I didn't think they were very disconnected with the players and even the everyday player. And, and I think it was to the point of how do we become more connected where there's no road between the tour player and the USGA. And that's where a lot of the problems started because there was no way to really talk to one another. I mean, they, Everybody went on Twitter. Everybody would just start throwing mud at each other, and that's not the right way to go. So I wanted them – I wanted to be their first phone call. Like, call me before you go to Twitter. Let's talk about this because it's probably it's a misunderstanding. I think, you know, unfortunately the tour players kind of thought the USGA didn't really care, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. So um, I was a pathway from the PGA Tour player to the USGA – and I was also a pathway from the USGA to the, P the PGA Tour. You know, it worked both ways. So I was representing the players to the USGA and vice versa. So it was just kind of a good thing. And, and you know, I've, I've spent enough time in the locker rooms with these guys talking. I've gone through it. Um, I kind of sort of know where the gist of the whole thing is. I know what I'm talking about. So it's just been really good. And I think they, they feel very comfortable with having – me on on the USGA side, and we've had a, a great couple of U.S. Opens the last two years at Wingfoot and Pebble Beach, and and I've been involved in you know on the setup team with that, and I know what to look for, and I know what would upset a PGA Tour player or you know a U.S. Open player, and and uh, you know I just basically went out on the setup team as a fully ticked off USGA hating tour player, 
and would go out and look at it. And that was just the attitude I had because I wanted to see what would upset me with setup if something was unfair or something was over the, over the line. And I think it's really helped the team. I mean, obviously I'm not the final decision maker, but I, I was there to kind of look at things and see how I would play it being if I was in the championship and it really helped. And the players, I think really, really appreciated that. Well, Pebble Beach might have been a little too quick because you were hired in early spring of 2019, correct, for this role? Correct. So that's like three three months ahead of time. But now Wingfoot, you had a year and a half to kind of prepare, and there was other things to prepare with COVID and such. But for what you were focused on, what was the player reaction, the feedback you were getting from Wingfoot this year? Did you have some good stories from the players? Yeah, there were some great stories. Like I was – I was milling around Saturday night when the final groups were coming off because it was pretty close to – we were running out of daylight rapidly, right? So I'm standing on the range just making sure kind of everybody's good, you know, checking, talking to a few guys and just seeing how it was and trying to get feedback to take to the setup team and, you know, player services team, just trying to get feedback for everybody. And, and I see Justin Thomas, he didn't play up to his standards on Saturday and kind of just came storming over to the range – and I was just milling around in the background. And I looked, I kind of like sort of walked over to him and he looked at me and he gave me the thumbs up and he goes, dude, it's awesome. And I'm like, all right, good. That's it. I'll, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> and then Bryson comes up in his focused, focusedness, I guess is the way to put it. And he started hitting balls and I walked over and I flipped the lights on on the range. And now you've got the iconic moment of Bryson hitting balls in the dark under the lights that I turned on. So it was, uh, you know, that's what we're there for. I'm there for helping the players and doing whatever they need to do to be the best they can that week. Well, I'm glad you brought up Bryson because I kind of wanted to go there at some point because you've become this like creative conduit between the tour or the players and then also the championships. And one of the big discussions that's going on in the background right now that it seems to me you're going to kind of be caught in the middle of and, and, and kind of have to represent both sides is this whole distance discussion. And a story, a friend of the show, Jeff Shackelford, he broke a story today where David Abelese, who's the president and CEO of TaylorMade, said, basically, and I quote, I believe if there's a rollback considered at any level, we run the risk of alienating millions. And if we do that, we want to provide golfers who might look at things in a different way um, if it gets more difficult with products that will suit their game. Right. So he's he's throwing something out there and says, well, hey, golf's hard and I make equipment for everybody, right? Bryson is doing his thing. You're the player representative. You're kind of, again, that connection between both sides. Where do you see the whole distance discussion come into play? Which, which hat do you want me to wear? <laughs> I, 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 honestly, like, here, here's where I stand on it. You can't stop human element, right? And the, the equipment that's out now, Bryson benefits more from it than even I would. So I think what we're trying to look at and we're trying to find a happy medium to where we're not going to take the enjoyment of the way from the golf course, but we're trying to protect some of these golf courses, the sustainability, the prices, that trying to lower the prices so it's not so expensive to play golf on making smaller footprints and making sure like the Cypress points and the Pebble Beach, and even the St. Andrews isn't made obsolete. But we can't stop human element. We can't tell Bryson, you can't, you, you can't go to the gym anymore. So, you know, if it, this is the case. This is why we're in such a slippery slope, because 
obviously we were we're here to protect the game, but you know guys are bigger, stronger, faster. All players, not guys. All, all players are bigger, stronger, faster. Because Mr. Woods made the cool made the made the game cool. Like he made this game athletic, and you know they're, they're so much better trained. They're better fit. They're better. They've got the numbers, and they're just better athletes. And and you know it, it's it's hard. It's hard. And when I say we don't know what we're gonna do, we got a long way to go. And we're and we're certainly not gonna rush to any decisions because. Protecting the game and protecting the people that play the game is the most important thing the USGA can do. Well, one of the greatest things in all of sport is the human element. So I love that you started there, and that's a tremendous answer. Trying to balance both sides, and and all like the distance discussion is just one of these topics. There's a bunch of them, and you know it's just evidence that you have a really tough role. Did the USGA give you a team of people to put together in order to try to accomplish some of these goals? Um, well, there, there's two of us. There's just myself and Liz Fratkin who played golf at Rutgers right here in Jersey. And, and, uh, she's, she's awesome. She's kind of been my corporate and organization Sherpa because my whole idea of, of, of my old life was grab the bag. We're going to the tee. Right. So I didn't really know a lot of how the, the intricacies of an office works. So she's been amazing. She's got great ideas. She's sharp. Um, and she's great with people. And uh, I'm very lucky to have her on my team. But you know, we got we got a whole player service team that, that we work with, and, and they know the players. And Robbie Zalznick is he's the Walker Cup manager, so he knows all these young, great amateur players coming up. And Liz was Curtis Cup manager for a long time, so you know we know this this younger crop of, of these great young players coming up, and and we're just uh, creating these friendships along the way and the, the trust and. Uh, that's that's what we're trying to do, but yeah, we we wear a lot of hats. How about that? Well, as so a we're in, we're involved in a lot of parts of the organization. I I have no doubt. Just kind of thinking about all of this before we talk today, and just looking at you know kind of the spider web of what it is you deal with. It there, I mean, there's there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, one quick question, then, you know. You're a very thoughtful guy, and you come across to be very genuine, and you have passion for this role. You have passion for being an accomplished tour player, but also being an accomplished USGA um, player as well, championship player as well. Have you set any personal goals for 2021 for your team as far as the relationship with the with the players? Is it just to continue to make the U.S. Open great? I mean, take me through, like, what are you setting up in, for yourself as to, to, me- to measure success coming for 2021 i think the one thing that that liz and i have talked about and our goals is we just want to be honest with the players we want to listen and we want them to know that we care and to know that the usga is not a bunch of blue blazers with dandruff you know it's not we're trying to we're trying to understand golfers all around the world like i'm one of those guys that i don't care since this is the hot topic of the, of the, the week i don't care if you wear a hoodie I don't care if you untuck your shirt or your hat backward, just play golf. I want you out on this golf course. And there's one thing that this pandemic has done is brought people to the game. And what I want to do is I want to bring these people to us because ultimately a true golfer is a true golfer. I don't care what you wear, what you look like, what anything. It's like we all have a passion for this, this great game. And I want the true golfers to, to be attracted to the USGA. And I want them to know 
what we do for the game, where the money goes, what we support, how many fingerprints we have on the game. And, and I just, I, I, I truly believe, and this is just my personal thoughts, that we may not be the heart and soul of the game because the, the tours are probably a little bit more of that, but we're the vertebrae. We're the vertebrae with all the, with all the nerve endings coming out. And, you know, it's like what we do really affects everything that goes on in the game. And I, I want them to know that. And I want that to be a little bit more public. And I don't want us to be, you know, sitting in the ivory tower. I want people to be a part of us and, and know what we do, but yet we still want to serve them in the game. So that's kind of where my, my, my goal is to go a little bit beyond just the championship players or the tour players. Cause I think all of us who are true golfers need to be a part of it. Well, you know, what an emotional analogy that was about the game itself, kind of in, in a macro view. So if you're going to take the vertebrae as the USGA, then I'm a PGA professional. I think we're going to take the blood. We're going to be the lifeblood, and we're all going to work together, and we're going to create this ecosystem that it's, it's really going to be fantastic going forward. And speaking of going forward. And, and, well, hold on real quick. Before, before you go, like I've said this before, and it's like, you know what? Like people have asked, like, what's the USGA doing? And I said, I didn't go to a USGA official for my first lesson. So I think all these organizations have to come together for the good of the game to really, to really make this thing flourish, like not take advantage of, but like really bring these people who have come to the game because of this pandemic and, and take them in and like, let them know that, Hey, you're all invited. Everyone's invited. Let's go have some fun. Well, Jason, you're invited for more after the break. So just hold on, hold tight for a second. You and I are going to come together some more and uh, see what we can come up with because we're going to have some fun in the second half. But for right now, folks, it's 3.17 p.m. here in New York. And speaking of time, don't forget those clocks. Set those clocks back this weekend, folks. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with more from the USGA's Jason Gore. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. We are excited to announce that PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, a rehabilitative golf program for military veterans with disabilities, will take place on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. throughout the fall season at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. To support the NJGF or learn more about the PGA Hope program for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management? Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. 
Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. to get started on the back nine with our guest today, Jason Gore. We have a little rock song to take him back to a certain week in his career. We'll see if he can figure this one out. But for now, let's prepare for a safe, fun weekend. Wade, turn it up, babe. The Pro Show is back on. Mr. Wade Weezer, excellent job. Always showing tremendous aplomb on the board there. Appreciate all that you do week in and week out, rocking us out. And uh, you came up with this song here for our guest today, Mr. Jason Gore. So I'm going to throw it to you, Jason. First of all, how are we doing on the music today, bud? You're killing it. All right. So you are connected to this song in a special way. There was a week in your career where, um, you know, most people think of you or they know you from. And... um, that song right there, Mr. Brightside by The Killers, was high up on the Billboard charts in June of 2005. Anything special happened for you in June of 2005? For three days, yeah. And then the last day, it kind of went blank. Well, <laughs> you know what, though? Um, everyone got to fall in love with you that week. And, you know, we've been loving you ever since in golf. And it's such a pleasure to have you here in golf, uh, or here on Springdale Golf Live. Now, I love what we were talking about just before the break, so I'm going to jump right back in there. And and one of the things, you know, you talk about the Ivory Tower and the USGA and this perception that the USGA has amongst players, like sometimes, like, you took away my long putter or, you know, the, the these flagstick conversations. And, you know, maybe they seem a little bit too Blue Blazer-ish or whatever. You're a cool guy. You were a cool guy back in 2005, and that's why we fell in love with you then in Pinehurst. And now... How are you going to make the USGA cool? That's I. You know what? I, I just I, I struggle with that because I think everybody inside the building is. I mean, it's a young. There's a lot more young people. It's a young, good crowd in there, and and they all love golf. And I just want to be a little bit more open. Like we have nothing to hide. It's not like we're sitting there, priving. You know, flying around on a private jet sipping sip Corvassier. You know what I mean? We're all real people. We all love golf. And I just, I just want to be open. I want, to be, I, want, I want people to know that we want them. And we want them to be a part of what we're doing because what we're doing is for them. And, and that's, that's – I feel like they think we miss a lot of what they're doing and, and we're doing our best not to. We – we love the game. We love golfers. And that's why I came here. I mean, I didn't have to do this. I mean, we're, we're good. Like, I got to figure something. And, um, like, when I came to the USGA, I, I, from the moment I picked up a club, I've told this story before, and stop me if you've heard it. When I picked up a club the first time when I was 11 or 12 years old, right, I, I knew that I wanted to leave my mark on the game. And I did it for 15 seconds with my golf clubs, right? But when this came about, I knew that I could leave my mark. When I die in whatever number of years, I want people to come to my funeral and go and point at my grave and go, that guy made a difference. We're going to miss that guy. He did something for the game that was special. And I thought I could do it with my clubs. And 
I, I did for a moment, but I really think that, that, that I can do something here because I believe in the people that are here. And that's, that's kind of, that's, that's why I picked up my family, moved from Southern California to New Jersey. And, um, cause I believe in this place. I believe in, I believe in the mission they're doing and, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. I just want to be a little part of it because there's a lot of bright people and in, inside those walls and it's, it's exciting to, to watch the USGA grow. You know, I tell you what, you know, folks, if you're just catching up with us right now, that authentic voice and all of that emotion that we hear is from Jason Gore. It's a man who competed in four U.S. Opens. He was on a victorious Walker Cup team. He's a national NCAA champion. He, I mean, he's an ambassador for the game. So we're not going to write your legacy just yet. We're going to give you some time to do that. We're not going to wrap that up here in, in 2020, Thank Jason. You. But um, we, we are very interested because you had us at hello there. When you start to talk about being open and communicating, these are very big 2020 themes and going forward in our society. So, you know, one of the things about being open um, kind of is a crossover between what you're talking about and what we do here on the show, which is have a lot of fun. And it's a tradition for my guests to do a little rapid fire Q and a before we go at the end of the day. And uh, I know that you're a fun loving guy and that you're up for this, but uh, I'll give you one last chance to get out. You, you ready for this rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Well, here we go. Jason Gore, rapid fire Q and a, what color was your first car? Red. And that was a 1987 Colt Premier, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And did you ever see my wedges I had stamped? I did. Did you ever see? You did. Yeah. Like when Ian Poulter put all of his Ferraris on there, and I put like my car it was like a Datsun V210 and a Colt Premier. And anyway. <laughs> Touche, Ian. All right. Favorite <laughs> favorite guitarist of all time. Eddie. You met your wife, Megan, in high school. Where'd you go on your first date? To the uh, bleachers behind a Little League baseball stadium right by my house, or Little League baseball field right by my house. Fair enough. If you could be a character in any movie, who would you be? In what movie? Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun. Oh, I thought you were going to say Andy Dufresne. All right, I love it. Naked, the naked gun. All right. Too serious. Way too serious. Fair enough. Uh, you know, this is not a serious show, that's for sure. All right. How many hole-in-ones do you have? 17. No. Wait, but I wait. grew up at a par 61 golf course, so a lot of those are 40, 50, 60 yards, but darn it, I'm counting them. Wait. I mean, we've all played executive golf courses. You have 17 hole-in-ones. Well, yeah, I played a lot of golf. Well, and, and and very good and very good golf at that. I mean, ten USGA championships is quite a pedigree. All right, only one on tour though. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, best Los Angeles Laker you ever saw play? Magic. Would you rather skydive or bungee jump? I've bungee jumped. I would. I would much rather skydive. You already have bungee jumped. I bungee jumped in New Zealand, and the guy. I'll never, if I ever find that guy, I'm going to kick him. Because he goes, all right, I'm three. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He goes, come on, you can do this. One, two, and he pushed me on two. No way. And I, I, I would have made, I said words that would have made my mother blush. And I don't want to do that again. Oh, holy cow. Well, yeah, this is this is a family radio show for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, one, one more. To, t- to put today into perspective, all right? Describe the USGA in one word. Open. 
you know what, Jason Gore, you have been open today. You've been an open book, and you've been a great read. You have been a fantastic guest, and I tell you, you are all that that was expected and even more. I can't thank you enough for being on Springdale Golf Live today, bud. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I tell you, this conversation is really meaningful, and uh, I'm going to reach out again because uh, as the USGA continues to evolve and you write your story, um, you know I want to be a person that definitely promotes it, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. I all appreciate right. all you do. You got it, man. Take care. Well, there you go, Wade. How about that interview? The open man, the USGA player representative, Mr. Jason Gore. I like to tell you that, Jason. When you said Andy Dufresne, I was going to bust out Morgan Freeman. Uh, I yeah. said, I'm going to do it. He, you know, it, I, I love, that's my favorite movie of all time. Oh, I'm with Shawshank, you right there. You know, Fantastic. If, I get, if, if someone ever rapid fires me, that's what's coming. <laughs> but anyway, but here's what else is coming. Max Kellerman. So before we go back to him, uh, let's talk about our sponsors and how great they are. TaylorMade Golf, you know, we talked a little bit about Abilese earlier, you know, just continuing to be an innovator in the game. Can't say enough about all they do to support our show and the products that they have. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, as they wrap up their season and the three pillars that they support, golf in schools and um, PGA Hope, as well as the Special Olympics. Summit Golf Brands, you know them as B-Dratty, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York, and of course, F.H. Wadsworth. Happy Halloween, everybody, and don't forget those clocks Saturday night. Wade Weezer, you're in charge of the clocks, man, and you're also in charge of the board. Thanks for doing that. Springdale Board of Governors, appreciate all that you do. Troon Golf Management for leading the way. Congratulations to Jim Richardson, the new 42nd president of the PGA of America. Most importantly, you know I love my listeners. Well, I'm heading to Springdale, but where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from Brooklyn to Bermuda, and of course, everywhere online, we all have Thanks for joining us for day. today's show. Return to the tee next Friday at 3 with Keith Stewart and Springdale Golf Live.